got back from Japan. Yeah, man. I took the team from the dojo uh, over our break. We typically close for a break over Fourth of July week. And uh, for seven days, we went out to Japan to sort of follow in the footsteps of my teachers and those that have gone before me. I trained with my teacher's teacher. So Stephen Hayes, uh, based out of Dayton, Ohio, went to Japan in the 70s and found a guy that was still teaching authentic ninjutsu training. Uh, This guy's name was Masaaki Hatsumi. Uh, has a uh, dojo in Noda City, Japan. So we went to a um, a small suburb of Tokyo called Kashiwa, and we went in. We we trained at multiple uh, senior students dojos. We trained at that Hanbu dojo with uh, Hatsumi Sensei. We did a um, a pilgrimage up to Mount Togakashi. This is an area, a mountain outside of Nagano, where the style of ninjutsu that I study was developed. Uh, there's a series of shrines and temples in this long path. So we started at the bottom. We stayed at a uh, ryokan or a traditional Japanese hotel, which was cool. It was like the newest hotel in the village, and it was 200 years old. So we were saying there, we're sitting at this like low table and just sitting there thinking like a couple hundred years ago, there was probably some samurai sitting right here making some plans about an upcoming war or something like that. So we were all getting fired up. And we hiked up to the top of the mountain. We um, visited all the shrines, came back down, went back into town, and just just spent as much of the time on the mat as possible. I'm pretty curious because I had an experience somewhat like that. Years ago, I took my crew from Durham Catering to Los Angeles to work with the catering company that I learned to cater from to do the Grammys. And when we talked about it, we had evolved from where we were, but in a way we were better than the teacher, but we were smaller than the teacher, but it kind of drew us together and just made us more proud about what we're accomplishing. Did you have anything like that going? Uh, it, real parallel to that. Not that we were better, but just, just proud of um, who we are as martial artists coming from uh, America. You know, we went back to the source and one of the things that it felt like to me, and maybe this is, maybe I felt what I wanted to feel, but a lot of the teachers teaching taught to us. I kept feeling them look over at us and they were excited about showing us new stuff. And maybe it's because we were the new faces in there, but we walked out of there feeling pretty proud of ourselves. We definitely were not in, in too deep a water for us or anything like that. We, we handled ourselves very well. We're able to pick up. I learned a lot. I got a lot of good lessons from this, but I could have gone on this trip 10 years ago and missed a lot of what I saw this time. And I, I, I think that um, my teacher, Stephen Hayes, the guy that set up the program that I'm part of, should be really proud of himself as well because he's he's set up a system that's building really good martial artists that plug right into this classical thing. You know, talking about the different evolution of your art, when you go from one generation to teach another generation to teach another generation, I've experienced that recently with people who learn from me, who I learned from someone else, that the core foundation is still there and saw it and thought a lot about how, what type of discipline that took to continue that direction that we were going, that you could see the evolution of it. You could see the hierarchy of it. Did you feel like your discipline is what made you fit into this area that you were at? Discipline is a huge part of any progress that uh, that I make. I'm not naturally gifted at martial arts. So any anything that I've um, 
accomplished in martial arts is due to discipline and um, I hate to say it, but also attrition. You know, I think if, if you're disciplined enough to stay involved in something, you'll outlast the people that are there, right? Yeah, I find that to be true so much. Yeah, in, and in martial arts, you see discipline is something that's highlighted and people say it a lot, you know, particularly running a dojo. I have parents that come in and say, I want you to instill some discipline in my kids or how disciplined of a school are you? So I'm, I spent sometimes sort of struggling with what the definition of discipline for me is. Do you, do you have a definition of discipline that you like? I'm, I'm reaching really a, an important part of my life where discipline is becoming a big thing. I'm, I'm usually not short of motivating people below me, but I need help being motivated myself. That's one of the reasons I'm going to Tony Robbins this weekend because that helps light the fire underneath me. And sometimes I make the mistake of, or I have in the past taken on so much that I actually don't have the discipline to follow through on it. And that's, as you get older, you start really questioning what that means. For me, that is, well, do I not have the energy to do it, not want to do it, not have the drive to do it? So then I don't put the discipline in place. So do I call it things? I think that the motivation is the fire, the disciplines are the tools to actually see that through. For me, that's how, I, how it is. It's a problem in my life right now. It's something I say a problem. It's just something that I'm really looking at right now. Myself and everybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure we've all had moments where the motivation has struck and we started a project. I know that's something that I do all the time. I start a project, but I've got hundreds of unfinished projects. So the sort of prioritizing what's important, executing on that with discipline is something I'm working on. Now, while I was in Japan, I saw... Um, and experienced some pretty extreme examples of discipline, both what I would consider to be positive and good, and then several that I thought were kind of the, the dark side of that seeking high achievement. Um, one of the guys that I got to train with is one of the senior most students of this Dr. Hatsumi, and he spoke about during one of the breaks of his classes, some, somebody was asking about uh, who did what in terms of filming a video that was filmed you know, years and years ago. And this senior most student said, we didn't know uh, what the plan was. All we ever did was just what our teacher told us. We, he was the boss and we just did exactly what he said. And I look at this guy and he's like, he was a judo champ and a highly experienced kickboxer. So already a top-notch martial artist before he plugged in with this guy. Sort of this obscure tradition and he was disciplined enough to to put behind his achievement already and just listen, you know, to, to sort of start back over again. And because of that, you know, he rose through the ranks and again, discipline and attrition, like we were talking about, rose through the ranks to be one of the most senior, most people, most well-respected people in this martial art. And I hate that I'm saying this guy and talking about stuff and not using names all the time, but I didn't get permission from these individuals to talk about them. You know, right now with this generation and with technology, some things I, that I see that are changing from when we grew up in discipline and being taught and doing what the teacher taught was one thing. And what I see happening now more is a world to where there's more input from people who know less just to get more fresh ideas. There's this person I talked to recently who wants to develop something to where somebody put out an idea and then you can go ahead and respond to that idea with your idea. And then it kind of grows that way, which is the opposite direction of doing what you're told at the top, which seems to be that it may create more ideas, more new ways of doing stuff, less discipline, more free flow, and it's connected with the way technology works. So do you think that's like a pushing it more into the camp of motivation generation? rather than discipline practice and do you think that um the the muse the the inspiration that's coming from these multiple places uh that motivation can carry you as far as as a dedicated sort of disciplined way to 
pursue your goal? It seems like there's there's discipline inside of that, right? First, you have to think of what an idea is and really give what's being taught to you uh, enough thought to push it into a new direction. It seems like it's more it's going to grow more than than the old way. Like if you take the classical way of cooking in a kitchen, your chef says, do this, you do it this way, you produce that same product. And for years, it was French food for that was the way. Then when it came down and it became more free-flowing and more ideas and more collaboration in the kitchen, it grew into something more. And that's my curiosity here. You're, you're talking about a very disciplined thing that you do. And does it evolve? How does it evolve? How does it break out of the discipline? Like, oh, he showed us this way. This is the way I've been doing it, but I'm going to try this. Maybe maybe it goes kind of full circle, right? Like motivation got me to Japan. I'm fired up. I want to train. I want to train with these teachers. I want to experience what my teacher experienced and all of that. The discipline is going to come in if I'm going to take the lessons that I got in Japan and come back and train them day in and day out and assimilate the lessons and the teachings that I got. And then once I've gone through that process, then again, like motivation, creativity and all that's going to come back out because I've got this new set of tools that I'm working with. In my life, what I've seen that as is someone in the negative way of that happening is teaching someone to cook in a certain way and so and they're too lazy to kind of learn it they kind of do it their own way and that's that's their spin well i just gotta you know i'm creative and i'm doing it this way how far does that break off in the discipline of what you do like in mine it can go really bad quick yeah it can totally happen in martial arts people have their own um, preferences you know you get a guy that's tall and has long legs he's going to put more emphasis on staying at back at a distance and maybe using his kicks to do different things and then you've got a little fire plug of a guy with low center gravity you can't throw him he's going to have a preference to get in tight and try to take center and uh, preference for grappling and takedowns and a few generations of that or one extreme generation of that and you're going to have something completely removed from the source or something totally different you're talking about something that's really really old that's been done for centuries right yeah thousand fifteen hundred years right 1500 now. Yep. Years. so that's yeah. a long time to work out the stuff right yep but you know staying plugged in with that discipline staying connected to the source is important because you're, you're getting the underlying lessons but then you know you get something that's 1500 years old the world we live in the problems we face even the the way that in a martial arts context the way that we fight the weapons be, the weapons right like the concepts probably in the in an irreducible if you got down to really what it's about is maintaining appropriate distance um effectively rendering your opponent less dangerous you know you're going to get into those sort of concepts but the methods in which we have to do that and the problems that we have to solve are different So when I think about martial arts and then when the public was exposed to it really with Bruce Lee, probably was when a lot of people saw something that was hidden for a long time. With cooking, a lot of times you learn to cook for your grandmother, you only cook for your family. And a restaurant was inside its own bubble. But what's happened with media and everything over the few years is it's exposed to everybody. So you could be this cook who cooks and shows a big group. And what happens then, at least in the food world, is people feel like they have to be do something new, something unique. They have to change this old school way of cooking. And there's this new wave of cooking and retro cooking, retro recipes that were you know not even that old, that were 30 or 40 years old, being pulled back to the site saying, hold on, we already figured out all this shit a long time ago. We got off track. Now let's get back to the ways of doing stuff that we've been doing for thousands of years because people have been cooking since we were came to existence. I mean, that's a good illustration of what we're talking about, things being cyclical. Um, like you said, grandma's biscuits were great, man. Why mess with the recipe? 
because you had to make it the new kind of biscuit for everybody to yelp and review about and want to come to your restaurant for. It was that pressure to do, to be new. Does that pressure to be new? Because it seems like that's what happened with Bruce Lee, at least from my perspective. Well, Bruce Lee was famous, and he was he was a famous innovator. He was one of um, the earliest proponents of what we would call mixed martial arts now. He, um, he thought very highly of judo. Uh, he thought very highly of Greco-Roman wrestling, spent a lot of time learning how to box. So he married that all with his uh, sort of traditional Wing Chun practice and brought a, um, a different attitude to martial arts. There was the traditionalist, sort of what we were talking about, these 1,500-year-old traditions, and it's got to be done this way because that's the way we were taught and that's the way our teachers were taught and that's what makes us different. And um, that was refreshing. That, that brought Bruce Lee. But what that did, though, is that Bruce Lee was not reproducible, right? Bruce Lee wasn't a, a system-driven thing. He was a personality thing. And how often are you going to get a Bruce Lee in the martial arts world? How often are you going to get a Tom in the biscuit world? Well, well, there's plenty of Toms. But the the one thing that I relate there, like, say, if you were a cook in the 60s in a high-end restaurant, Four Seasons in New York or something, you would have spent your whole life in that environment. You would have gone from your first job all the way up the line as far as you could go. Now what happened in the 80s was people would work at this place and they'd go work at this place so they'd learn what that chef knew and what that chef knew. Kind of like Bruce Lee taking these different things and putting them together into his own little his own little toolbox of stuff that he had. I mean, is that how MMA, mixed martial arts, has kind of evolved? I mean, it's pulling these different things, these different techniques. What it's done, you know, MMA in particular has reduced incidences, incidences of, institutional of institutional inbreeding. You've got something that's just been done the way that it's just been done is just the way that we do it. And people sort of take things to be true because somebody they respect told them. But mixed martial arts provided a, uh, a laboratory to test out these theories. And a lot of things that people held to be very true were proven either not to be true or those individuals not able to pull off what they thought they could pull off. So you had to be disciplined in your approach to what you do or you'll get kicked in the face. Yeah. You know, it, it it's kind of tricky though when you split it because I'm pretty motivated to not get kicked in the face, right? If, if discipline and motivation are two different things, motivation is what I want to do. And I think discipline, the way that I've sort of reconciled it as a concept is doing something that's the right thing to do, even if I don't want to do it. So I'm motivated not to get kicked in the face. Then I have to be disciplined to do the work so that I have the attributes, the techniques and all that sort of stuff so dialed in that I do it the right way and I don't get kicked in the face when somebody's trying to kick me full speed. For me, there's a lot of motivation to create something new and no one's going to kick me in the face if I make some stupid biscuit. They're just not going to buy it. (laughs) So what I have to have is the motivation to get in the kitchen and actually create and let that kind of flow out a little bit more. But what that does in that time in between thinking and having the motivation to do it, to actually have the discipline is so much self-doubt. So much of like all these other people out there creating stuff. There's all these other chefs that are doing great stuff. There's all these other restaurants that are created and on the edge. And you, as you get older, you want to be safer. You want to build a little wall. Self-doubt, insecurity doesn't allow you sometimes to be innovative enough to have the discipline to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Now, are you, are you saying you create that self-doubt because you want to protect yourself or do you say that self-doubt's created and then you want to protect yourself? I think this is the million dollar question. Sometimes I think self-doubt is created 
out of your lack of energy to be disciplined. And that's your out. Having an out for discipline, I mean, that that lends to sort of talking about the dark side of discipline, that dark side of um, pursuing high achievement. When we were in uh, one of the areas in Japan, we were going to go train with this particular teacher who had a uh, a dojo that was in a municipal building in this small town. And it was funny. It, was, um, it wasn't Kashi while we were staying. It was this other small town, and it felt really industrial, uh, way more grimy and run down than the other places that we were frequenting. And we had this guy that trained with this teacher that met us at the station. You take trains everywhere you go in Japan. Uh, the public transportation system is amazing. But we were walking through this town, and he was kind of giving us, like, the, the rundown of where we were. And he said, oh, and, you know, fun fact, we have lots of murders here. And, you know, we all kind of perked up, like, what do you mean you have lots of murders? In Japan, you think of it as being one of the safest places that you can visit. But in this particular town, there's been a rash of students, like high school-age students, snapping from the performance pressure that they themselves, their school, society, their parents sort of put on them. And the way that they're lashing out is they're riding up on bikes and stabbing people. So... Of course, as we're walking to the uh, the place where we're going to train and coming back, we keep hearing bicycle bells and we all turn around and we're like hiding behind trees and like mean mugging everybody on a bike that's riding by. But that that to me screams of uh, the dark side of the pressure to perform. Pressure's rough in, in the whole world right now. It's like overkill and pressure. I mean, I just recently found out of a pretty well-established chef in the area that's getting ready to create a concept close to what I do. And that, that put pressure on me, but it also sometimes, if used properly, can create this flow of creativity. Yeah, it can motivate you, right? right. That motivation can prompt the discipline to do what you need to do. We, we say in martial arts, teaching a student martial arts is like teaching a snake how to be better at biting you. So if you're not constantly improving, you're giving away your secrets. You're giving away your stuff, making yourself more vulnerable. Well, again, man, I'm I'm a little concerned. We've gone through this whole episode. I don't think I've heard you say bird once. Well, we have been talking about discipline and motivation and these kind of things, self-doubt. And uh, I'm wrapped up in a lot of projects right now. So I'm, like I said, going to Tony Robbins to get some motivation. It's also not the best time of the year to go out birding because it's hot as hell outside. And the discipline part of it, to go out there just to look for a couple of birds that you've already seen before, you know, that helps my skills, but it doesn't create my growth and at least my count that I'm trying to go after right now. What's the current count? 286. It may have been last time we talked. It's 286. Two weeks ago. I'm not sure if I said that number back then, but it's 286. But hey, since I haven't talked much, let's go right into Bird of the Day. I'm a bird watcher. I'm a bird watcher. Watch the birds go by. Fly, fly, fly. I'm a bird watcher. I'm a bird watcher. There goes one now. So, to, to up the feel of today, today's bird of the day is the eastern bluebird. Eastern bluebird was my mother-in-law's favorite bird, one that my wife grew up around, um, that my mother-in-law made a Halloween costume for my oldest daughter. It was a bluebird. It was so cute. So I've always kind of had this affection for him. It's also the first bird to nest in my yard. So I see bluebirds all the time. And I can't help but every time I see a bluebird seeing zippity doo doll, zippity a, you know, it just seems like it's appropriate. It puts, brings a smile on my face by singing that Walt Disney song that there's something to that happiness that lifts me up when I see a bluebird. 
It's funny, you're talking about a Disney movie, man. Today's inspiration quote is a quote from Walt Disney. Uh, and it speaks a lot to discipline and uh, that concept of surviving attrition that we were referring to earlier. If you're feeling down and out, here's inspiration. The quote from Walt Disney is the difference between winning and losing is most often not quitting. And I think in life that's it man if you it's it's about perseverance it's about picking yourself back up there's a sort of an old samurai maxim fall down seven times get up eight nobody really knows who that quote is uh attributed to but that's it just can you keep getting up can you keep knocking the dust off your shoulder once your motivation fails you and dig into that discipline and keep pushing keep pursuing keep striving uh pushing for those goals because you've got yourself the people that love you, the people that count on you, counting on you. Yeah, man, like you said earlier, you know, for a lot of things in life that I've succeeded at, it's because I didn't quit. It's probably my greatest gift 